0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. It's cold in the south, and we don't get this very often. I guess we'll enjoy it. It's a, it's a different feeling for sure. But, uh, yeah, be careful out there today, kids. I know many of you are already dealing with some very significant snow. They say we're supposed to get some flurries here around noon today Dark Vegas. Not supposed to be long lasting. That doesn't mean that we're not going to shut down the entire state because you never know with us. We're crazy like that. We get something a little bit different. We don't know how to handle it. But, uh, yeah, some of you are really dealing with some significant weather. Be careful out there. And as a reminder, please take care of your outside pets or as our, our friend Carolyn Obity says, uh, if it's too cold for your pets outside, be sure to go out there and stay with them. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, interesting weekend for the Bulldogs. You know, we had uh, several... 2025 visitors we had a couple of uh signees that were in town just to kind of hang out and go to basketball game and things like that but uh yeah had some junior visitors we've had reaction to that over at jeanspage.com rion already pumped out a handful of stories and uh i spoke to offensive lineman uh, lionel prudhomme from shreveport louisiana earlier today so we'll uh we'll get you up to date on all that stuff i know some people are just kind of taking their breath and like Steve, you know, I just got, we're not even done 2024. You're pushing juniors down my throat. Well, that's what we do, right? And these guys have been eagerly awaiting their turn to be uh, recruitable athletes. So here we are. Here we are. And uh, I noticed, too, there was a lot of uh, criticism over the weekend about the staff not bringing in portal visitors over the weekend, especially with uh, school starting tomorrow. You know, today is MLK Day. Uh, and so, yeah, spring classes start tomorrow and people are like well i don't understand we still got about a week but here's the thing that i go back to right i'm not going to make excuses for anybody or defend anybody i would much rather wait than take a guy just to take a guy we don't need any more jag guys you say Steve, what's jag just another guy that's in a recruiting vernacular i learned that from melvin smith years ago he's just jag Coach, what's the core? Just another guy. We don't need any of that. We'd be better off just waiting, right? I mean, that's just you – know, and we're right there at the scholarship numbers now. We're going to see some guys leave post-spring, you know, where they get a chance to be evaluated and kind of see if they fit the new schemes. And there will be a couple guys that will leave. I mean, you need to be prepared for that. But uh, I've seen some people say, hey, we may take 10 more transfers. I have not heard, heard or seen anything anywhere close to that. There's a couple more guys out there. We're obviously recruiting a handful of guys out there. And we'd make room. We're not going to turn away good football players. Uh, but it's interesting you know, that here we are, you know, a day before spring classes started. We still got a few spots to fill. We still need an edge rusher. I mean, we absolutely have to have an edge rusher. And listen, look at the defensive line numbers. They're not as dire as some people would suggest. But we don't have a difference maker on the edge that you got a game plan for. Uh, you go out and get Wilkie denied from Auburn, and you feel like he's got some projectable potential. This is got it redshirted last year. You know he was uh, highly recruited out of high school, but he didn't play a college snap last year. And so, yeah, you know, he may be uh, you know a bit of a wild card for you, but you, you can't expect that. You know, you need to go out there and get a guy. Uh, you know, we, we looked at Nikhail Webb Walker for a while. We elected not to take him. Uh, Nikhail, really nice young man, and headed to Colorado now. Wish him the best. And I don't know. I mean, it's like we're not putting together a Boy Scout troop here while well, Nicole Will Walker uh, is a nice guy. Wish him the best. But he may not be a difference maker for us. And so I get it. If you're not totally sure about that guy, you don't take him. You let him go elsewhere. Because as Melvin Smith told me years ago, it's not the kids that you don't get to get you beat. It's the kids you sign that can't play. And so we don't need to just go take an edge rusher to take one. You've got you to go get a guy. That can make a difference if he's not better than what you have he's not more dynamic than what you have you're better off just kind of waiting and then we'll see what happens and of course you know the transfer portal window is closed for most schools in the country it's open for alabama players for about another four weeks and now it's open for washington players it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out you know now now that uh washington has hired jed fish now the portal is open for arizona players and so This window was closed. Now, all of a sudden, you've got three power five programs that some players out there are trying to decide, hey, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay here? Am I going to follow my coach? Am I going to look for other opportunities? So there's still some opportunities to be had there. There's not a lot of them, but there are some. That's one thing: you kind of play through all this. You begin to think to yourself, okay, uh, we've gone through the talent pool available in the transfer portal right now. And either some of those guys haven't shown interest in us or we haven't shown interest in them. But we got fifteen transfers. You know, it's not like we've just been sitting around, you know, hoping to get lucky. We got fifteen transfers. But yeah, we'd like to add a few more. We could. And so we'll kind of see how that plays out. But um, but anyway, that that's kind of where we are with all of that. Now I want to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I was there, what was it Friday night, Saturday night? I don't remember. Friday night. I was there Friday night for dinner and um, I had the Mississippi barbecue burger. I almost went with the Sloppy Joe sliders. And I kind of wish that I would have, not because the barbecue burger wasn't great, it's just I haven't had the Sloppy Joe sliders in a while. Sometimes, because I'm crazy, when I get those Sloppy Joe sliders, for some reason I like to have them with tater tots. You know how there's always that, there's some sides that this match up well with certain burgers and certain entrees? You know what I'm talking about. You know, Sometimes like when you, got, when you sit down and eat a sandwich, you gotta have chips. Eat a hamburger, you gotta have French fries. Sometimes I get onion rings, and I did on um, I did uh, Friday night with my messy barbecue burger. I got the onion rings, but when I get the sloppy Joe sliders, I get the tater tots, and you get that little fondue you can dip in. It's, it's great, it's great. And so I'll be back in there this week to probably satisfy that sloppy Joe sliders craving, because you know sometimes when you get when your mind kind of gets made up on something, it's not gonna relent until you get it taken care of so prepare a table Bulldog Burger Company I'm coming soon for the sloppy joe sliders maybe we'll go in there for lunch tomorrow maybe we'll see hopefully the uh, the world still exists tomorrow right we can get in there and do it get that taken care of no matter what you have a hankering for Bulldog Burger Company has something that will fill that craving and many of you have your own favorites I mean like my, my daughter-in-law Betsy it's her birthday today happy birthday bet we love you We could not have had a better daughter-in-law if we had done a a, a custom order, right? She's brought so much happiness to our life. She's a great wife, a great mother. It's so great, you know, when you love somebody, like I love my son, and then he loves somebody, so in turn, like the transitive properties of all that. You're like, "Hey, I'm just so happy to see this person uh, love somebody that I love, and then you in turn love them, right? She's a mission person. Like when she, anytime that we, they come to town and we have a chance to go to Bulldog Burger Company, she has to have the mission. Like even the whole six-hour drive here from Northwest Arkansas, she's thinking about that mission burger. Maybe you feel the same way about your own favorites. Get in there and enjoy yourself. Three three great locations to serve you: University Drive here in start Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowwood area. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They got it on the menu. It's true. They'll make you better looking, and that's not. Just, you know, an accident. You guys know. Trust the science. Get that chocolate shake to go. Maybe some bread pudding. I'm a big advocate for dessert to go. You should partake in that. Every chance you get. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Let's talk about beating Ole Miss. I love it, man. I do. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It feels so good to win, right? And not just because of the fact that it was Ole Miss. Ole Miss pretty good basketball team this year. And, uh... You want to beat your contemporaries, and if you remember how they acted last year after they they swept us in the season, you know for the first time in forever, forever. And the way that and I, and I get it. I mean, you know, when you've got somebody that's been ahead of you for so long, like you've all you've had to look up at Mississippi State women's basketball for so long. I mean, you get out there in press conferences and you act like an idiot and things like that. That it doesn't get you anywhere. You got to win on a scoreboard, and so. Last year they did, and it was like they had won the Super Bowl, and uh, their fans that are just kind of casual fans of, uh, of women's athletics, of course, they just kind of jumped on board with that because it's, it's a Mississippi State Ole Miss deal, right? And so now it's our turn to brag, and we shall, we shall, uh, a lot of you have made mention of the, uh, the post-game handshake. Uh, I've saw some people that said that Coach Yo didn't uh, shake Sam Purcell's hand, and um, and, and she did. I mean, it was quick and it was brief. But, uh, listen, we don't need her to hang around for a celebration. But, uh, yeah, she did shake his hand. And so some people have said some things about that, that just aren't true. But, uh, yeah, for the second straight ball game in SEC play, it's a complete collapse in the fourth quarter by Ole Miss. That tells me there's a strength and conditioning problem at Ole Miss. It's true. You know, Auburn, Auburn who upset LSU yesterday. Look at Johnny Harris go, right? Auburn nearly came back and beat Ole Miss last week with a very, very uh, extensive rally there in the fourth quarter. And I just think the Ole Miss ladies are just simply gassed. When you keep running out of gas in the fourth quarter, that's not always about players. That's about your program. That's about strength and conditioning. That's about your philosophy. Uh, So let's run it back here. Ole Miss leads after the first quarter 14-12. State... 19 to 12 in the uh, in the in the second quarter. So we we take the halftime lead there by one, and you get through three. Ole Miss a good third quarter, their most productive quarter offensively of the ball game. They outscore is 21 to 18. So it's a two point game headed to the fourth, and in the fourth quarter, Mississippi State absolutely whipped the Rebels, 20 to six, 20 to six. I'm going to tell you this. You only score single digits in the fourth quarter of an SEC game on the road, you're going to lose. And Ole Miss did. And uh, to kind of look at that fourth quarter uh, a a little better here, just to kind of break some things down here. Uh, So looking at the – we'll we'll start with the Ole Miss side of things. Okay, well, let's just do that. Let's just for the fun of it. Let's just look at the Ole Miss side of things uh, for this fourth quarter. Because I want to really illustrate how dominant – your ladies were, guys. Ole Miss was one for twelve in the fourth quarter, one for twelve, and zero for three from beyond the arc. They shot eight point three three percent in the fourth quarter. You're going to lose when that happens. They were four of six from the line. You start, you know, kind of breaking it down there. Goodness, if we had defended without fouling, they may mean, not have scored. They get the one basket there. I mean, it's just you know. You talk about closing out and dominating an opponent in the fourth quarter. That's what the Bulldogs did yesterday. Jessica Carter, another good game for her. Not quite as good on the on the on the glass, but uh, great shooting day for her. Eleven of fifteen from the floor. Had the one free throw. Got to get it aligned more often. And a lot of that too, I think, when she gets good position, people are just kind of relenting, kind of yielding to her there. A couple blocks there. Twenty-three points. Uh, Lauren Park Lane, 35 minutes of action for her, 13 points. The only other Bulldog in double figures. Um Poe, big, big three ball late to give State some juice there. But you look at what we did in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Bulldog ladies, 7 of 12 from the floor for 58%. And then 5 of 5 from the line. The one three three point attempt we had, we made that too. He was about as dominant as the fourth quarter as you can expect to see between SEC contemporaries. Bulldogs win 69-57. And, again, the game, the score not maybe indicative of how competitive this game was until the fourth quarter. And had Ole Miss not had the big collapse against Auburn last week and they were fortunate to hang on to win, you could say, you know what, Hey, this is just about Mississippi State being bigger, tougher, stronger. But there's problems in Oxford. I mean, there always are. But uh, but you understand my point here. This this has happened twice now. Now it's a trend, and it's so interesting to see the Ole Miss fans get out there on you know on, on the twitters and uh, get a little salty. And it's so funny too. You know, last weekend after uh, Ole Miss narrowly escaped Auburn, uh, Coach Yo took to Twitter to uh, take issue with some of the fans on Twitter. It's very unbecoming for an SEC coach. I mean, it really is. I mean, And you've read some of the things that some of our fans have said about our coaches, but you haven't seen them respond. I don't know what it is in the water up there at Ole Miss. I, I, you, know, it, you would say, well, it's the Ross Bjork thing. Well, Ross is a and now. I don't know what it is about Ole Miss coaches. They absolutely rise to debate every single time on Twitter. I, I don't know what it is. They have to. I mean, you, you never saw Mike Leach get out there and uh, rattle sabers with people after a loss. You don't see Chris Simonis doing that. You certainly didn't see Big Schaefer do that. You didn't see Ben Howen doing that. You, didn't, I mean, you don't see Chris Jans doing that. You know, if they get out there and say anything on Twitter and they interact with fans, which is rare, right? and to be honest with you, I don't need my coaches out there doing that anyway. I, don't need, I need them coaching their sport. But these people that go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, it's so unbecoming of the position. It's very, very petty. And I haven't looked today to see uh, to see what kind of reaction that Coach Yo has had to yesterday's uh, defeat and another fourth-quarter collapse. I'm sure that uh, maybe somebody somewhere said, hey, Coach, just put the phone down. You know, It's one thing to get out there and talk trash when you win, and even then it's probably unbecoming the position, especially when you were very fortunate to win. It's not like they beat South Carolina. And then you lose this one. You know, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not not a fan, not a fan of the uh, of the SEC coach getting out there and engaging with fans in the negative way, especially after a loss, especially after a game when you didn't play well. And you know, I remember one particular tweet that somebody had shared with me that uh, some fan had made some comment about how poorly they played in the fourth quarter against Auburn, and it said she needed to be fired. Or words to that effect. And, and Coach Yo says, "Well, I'll be sure that Keith puts you on the short list." Well, that's real cute. It's cute. I, I don't want anybody like that representing my university, period. I don't. Maybe you feel differently. I know some people love the Lane Kiffin thing. Elaine will get out there and, you know, do all kind of silly stuff on Twitter, uh, you know, to each their own. Maybe it's a cultural thing at Ole Miss where, you know, they'll, they feel the need to constantly defend themselves and get out there and tell their story. But the headline today is Mississippi State 69, Ole Miss 57. Uh, the Lady Bulldogs now 15-4 and four overall, 2-2 two two in the Southeastern Conference. Ole Miss falls 12-5, 2-2 uh, two two in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, but, again, big win for us. And thanks to everybody that it turned out. Uh, uh, reported attendance, 7,101. Really nice base basketball attendance for uh, Bulldog basketball this weekend. But uh, next, Mississippi State Thursday night. We're going to need you right back here Thursday night, 6 p.m. against Tennessee. We need to make the hump bump and everybody here. Next road game uh, comes Monday, a week from uh, today, uh, in Gainesville against Florida. But, uh, again, we mentioned Auburn earlier, big win for uh, Johnny Harrison and beating the defending NFL champion, LSU Tigers. And you start looking at this now and you begin to think about parity within the league, it's a good thing for Mississippi State. we got a good basketball team. We do. And Ole Miss is a pretty good basketball team, too. We're just better. We've got to go up there and win that game up there too. And that game will take place, for those of you making plans now, that's February 18th. That'll be a Sunday, 3 p.m. tip. Also broadcast on the SEC Network Plus. Uh, But, yeah, big, 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 big win uh, for us. And a pretty crucial stretch coming up for the Lady Bulldogs. We mentioned Tennessee, Florida, and then OSU. And that's going to be the We Back pad game. That's going to be a Monday night game, 6 p.m. We need you to be here for that. So uh, we'll celebrate the win today and get ready to go play Uh, tennessee later this week big 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 win all right let's spend all the time talking about the men's side as much as i really don't want to we we will and uh, i want to say this before we even get going all right bulldog fans our friends from takovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season it's concert season it's sundress season yes it is and you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovus is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovus has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Takovas has first wear comforts, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots? You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop in new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. Tecovas, they offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Ufy. That's dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. happier and healthier than ever. To all of you that turned out and made it such an electric atmosphere, thank you very much. And I know Zach Selman feels the same way. Everybody connected to Mississippi State Basketball uh, feels that way. It's an atmosphere we've we've wanted for a long time. And I appreciate everybody that turned out. There were a lot of people still looking for tickets very, very late. And uh, the team did not perform as well as we'd hoped, but a game that we feel like we should have won. No question about it. My hope is, let's not give up on team, though, right? Let's not just say, well, you know, Steve, listen, I got all sucked in by the win over Tennessee, and now I'm out because we lost to Alabama. Listen, we don't need that, okay? I get it. It's such a financial commitment and a commitment of your time to come up here. But we're Bulldogs, win or lose. And let's not just say, well, that's it. Guys, the schedule's going to ease up for us just a little bit here. But these first four games were legit. And uh, we you know, head to Kentucky next going to be awfully interesting. But uh, Alabama, you may recall, was, um, you know, 6-5 and five after 11. They won five games in a row now, 3-0 in the Southeastern Conference. They get us 82-74. And it really felt like at times in that ball game that we had controlled the game and we missed some punnies. And that has become an, a consistent issue with us. And one of the things that I noticed, too, about Alabama, they absolutely get totally out of control. They'll make these drives to the rim, and it, there's absolutely no chance of them making the shot. I mean, it's like horse or something. And for some reason, we could not defend without fouling. Did the officials have a great night? No, they didn't. That understood. It was the same for both teams. I don't think it was a, you know, a, a biased game. I think there were sometimes they let them play, and other times they didn't. Players get confused. But Alabama got bailed out so many times, When they would make some ill-fated drive to the rim, and they had no chance of finishing, and we'd foul them. And sometimes those foul calls were a little bit cheap, okay? But we did not lose because officiating. We lost because we didn't execute when the game mattered most down the stretch. Alabama did. And ultimately, they won the game. We're right there with Alabama. We are. I wouldn't be least bit surprised if we go to Coleman and have a similar type game. But uh, one of the most disappointing things for me are just free throws, man. I mean, just absolutely free throws, especially down the stretch. And I guess they're tired of people talking about, it. well, they're tired. It doesn't matter. It absolutely doesn't matter. Uh, but Mark Sears, 22 points for them. I thought he took over the game late. And, of course, a guy that's uh, as prolific as a free throw shooter as him. They put you in a situation where you have to foul them, and it's pretty much an automatic two. And that's what happened down the stretch. Eight of eight from the free throw line for him. Uh, really good ball game. Got him in some foul trouble earlier in the ball game, and uh, we just weren't able to get separation. Uh, I, I thought one of the guys that made a big difference for them was Grant Nelson. I thought Grant Nelson was outstanding for them. Uh, not a great shooter, but uh, gave us some trouble on the defensive end. Had nine rebounds, just nine points, but um, I, I thought he was, in many respects, kind of the difference in the game in the half court for us. Because early on, you know, we're, we're basically running the offense through Tulu, and they're doubling, and we're getting these cutters to the basket. Tulu's too good a passer for you to commit to that. And after we began to burn them with that, Nate Oates is like, you know what, we're coming out of this. We're coming out of it. And they did. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is a game where Alabama executed, Mississippi State did not. Um, and... The stretch that I want to go back to, I guess we'll do numbers quick. Tulu with 15 points, 10 rebounds, great, great game for him. Also had five turnovers, a couple of them very crucial. Uh, Shaquille Moore, 13 points, three rebounds. Thought Shaquille was really good, especially early in that second half when we needed a little bit of juice. It's like Shaquille was going to carry us. Cam Matthews got in some foul trouble again. Two of those fouls were absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I think we, sometimes the officials get caught up anticipating calls, but Cam, a, a dozen points. If Cam doesn't get in foul trouble, we probably win the game. Uh, DJ Jeffries, nine points for him, seven rebounds, kind of doing what he does. I, I kind of like this score line for him, right? If, if we can get good rebounding and get close to double scoring with him, we're going to feel like we're in, we're in a great position. He played more minutes than anybody. Arguably our best on-the-ball defender. Uh, Rams Davis did not score. Can't have that. Uh, Trey Ford came out hit a couple big shots for us, both of them threes. Josh Hubbard off the bench with 14. And it's now it's interesting. You know Now people are beginning to uh, to, to game plan for Josh, uh, putting a bigger, longer guard out there, even though he's so quick with the release. It'll be interesting to see kind of how he adjusts. But uh, down the stretch here, you know, we had our chances. And that's the thing. We, we talk about officiating. We talk about this other stuff. Guys, with five minutes to go, it is a two-point game. And then D.J. Jeffries um, has the opportunity to go to the line. We are down 69-66 at this point. And uh, he makes the free throws. So it is a one-point game at five minutes to play. And then we get a block from Sean Jones and uh, have the ball, and we take the lead. Tolu down low, up and in. So four minutes to go. We have a capacity crowd and the lead. And this is one of those things we've been kind of envious of for years. It's like down the stretch, we need the crowd to kind of take over the ball game. And you couldn't really tell on TV, but the crowd did a good job. Next thing you know, Riley Green gets a layup up and in. Alabama takes a lead back. We go down and completely, completely blow this offensive possession. We had two shots down low, couldn't make them. And uh, give up a three-point. Sears goes down and pops the net. Now, I said, it's a four-point game with 3.50 to go. Shaquille goes down, gets us a basket, and then we pull even. Cam Matthews down low, just absolutely willing that ball in. It is a tie game, 2.42 to go. We couldn't ask for anything better right here. I mean, honestly, let's just be fair. With our, we'll Steve, we could ask for a 10-point lead. Yeah, but you understand my point. At home, capacity crowd, we've survived their little barrage of three-point shots late. And now we've turned this thing back into a half-court game. We've got to play well defensively, and we did not play well defensively in this game. We did it over stretches, but consistently, no, no. Sears makes a jumper, pushes Alabama up two. Well, then they foul us. Grant Nelson fouls Tolu Smith, our leader, our All-American. We go to the line, and we miss them both. A chance to tie the game at two-minute mark, we don't get it. Then Grant Nelson fires up a three. Josh Hubbard gets the rebound, and then they steal it from Tolu. Tolu rallies back, gets a block shot here, and then Grant Nelson fouls Cameron Matthews. And then Cameron Matthews misses both free throws. Guys, this, guys, it is a two-point game with 34 seconds to go. We are at the line with a senior, and we miss them both. We end up having a foul, and then uh, Sears, of course, makes both, pushes it out to four, they foul us again, and then Shaquille Moore. A guy that's been in college long enough to be a doctor, it seems, misses both free throws. And at this point, it becomes academic. But the bottom line is this when we have opportunities to win and close out games, our senior leadership has to do that. And we we were incapable of doing that. And listen, I get it, Tolu's not really back in the SEC positioning yet. I mean, let's just be fair about that. But Cameron Matthews and Shaquille Moore played all year. So if you want to say, okay, Tolu is probably gassed. Okay, and, and listen, it does show up in free throws because you start leaving them short. But this is the Southeastern Conference. This isn't the YMCA. And you got some guys out there that uh, have played a lot of basketball for us, and when those opportunities arise, it's one It's one thing if it's one guy. It's three guys. And it's not like you had Josh Hubbard who missed two big ones early in the ballgame. Down the stretch, you've got to be able to rely on your senior leadership. And it didn't work out for us. It didn't. And it's a disappointing loss. Uh, Alabama is a good team, better than our record indicates. But if we're going to get to where we want to get, we got to win these games. Now, we're still good in all the metrics. I mean, the net is good. We're in the tournament, right? We are right now probably 8-9, right? Uh, but we got to win these games. Now, we go on the road and play Kentucky on Wednesday. That's going to be on ESPN2. It's tough for us to go win and Rupp. It is. And for those of you in the area, if you can turn out and go, we're going to send Justin Frommer and uh, cover the game. But uh, a pretty significant ball game. If you win that one, you feel really good about life. Uh, you do. But our season's not going to be judged on how we do in Lexington, Kentucky, if we win. If we lose the game, a game we're expected to lose, the season isn't wrecked. But if you start thinking about this four-game start – you wanted to get a split. And then what happens is you end up probably winning against the best team in the conference. And you think, wow, yeah, that South Carolina loss really makes this Kentucky game all the more important. And then on Saturday, we'll be back. We'll have Vanderbilt, and then we go to Florida. And then all of a sudden, you start looking at this and you start thinking, okay, now we're going to start playing our contemporaries. You know, we're not going to play what's considered. You know the elite. We'll get Texas A and M late. We'll get Kentucky late. We'll get another opportunity at South Carolina late. But uh, if we can navigate, if we can find a way to you know win two of these next three, you start feeling like okay, things will begin to even out for us, and I think we'll have some opportunities. Uh, you know, to really pad the resume a little bit. But um, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, it's a game. The South Carolina game hurt even worse, just because I don't think South Carolina is as good as Alabama. Alabama is a team that's had our number. Uh, in recent years, even we've been really, really good. Alabama Alabama has been really good under Nate Oates. But uh, that's where it stands today, and the Alabama game is over. Now we turn our full attention towards uh, Kentucky. And, again, if you're in that neck of the woods, please turn out and go support the Bulldogs. It's always great to hear and see our fans on the road, and many of you have that opportunity when, when you can. Uh, I don't know what the weather's going to look like by then, but hopefully – uh, things will have cleared. It's going to be really cold, so a lot of this snow may continue to accumulate, not melt off. But uh, I'm in no way giving up on this team. I'm no no way giving up on Chris Jans. And, and I would encourage you not to do the same, uh, to kind of hang in here with us. We knew these first four games was going to be a real litmus test for this team. And maybe we haven't passed the flying colors. Uh, but we're right there in the thick of things. We are an NCAA tournament team. We are. And it kind of it had that feel which stayed in Alabama. And Alabama's team is going to just continue to get better. And, again, they've won five in a row. And you know as well as I, that, we beat Tennessee. Uh, that got their attention. They knew it wasn't just going to be a bus ride over here. Let's just show up and go through the motions. They knew it was a ball game. And in the end, they executed and we didn't. And that's the difference in the ball game. Not officiating, not fans, not hot dogs, none of that stuff. They executed, we didn't, and that's what happens. And and listen, coaching wins and loses your close games. It does, but at the end of the day, when the coaches put you in a position to be successful and get you to the line or get you an open look, you got to knock down shots, you got to make plays. Nothing that Chris Jans did during this ball game, but i look back and say, you know what? That cost us the game. No, we got to execute. And uh, that's the most disappointing, disappointing part of it for me is it's guys that we, that we usually can count on to step up and make plays for us. Uh, down the stretch uh, just didn't get it done all right time for today's top 10 list as always brought to you by close with blair.com that's c-l-o-s-e with blair b-l-a-i-r.com blair chandler is a mortgage professional blair is a guy that's been in this industry a long time coming up on 23 years guys nobody stays in any industry for 20 plus years unless they're a basketball official and uh, does a mediocre job and continues to maintain their job i, I kid uh, but blair is a winner Top 1% close ratio in the country, back-to-back-to-back to back to back years. You could entrust your mortgage in the hands of a lot of people, but why not deal with Blair Chandler, a guy that knows how to navigate through the labyrinth that is underwriting, he knows how to structure your loan and the best way to get it approved. That's why close with Blair makes a lot of sense. Visit the website, learn more about him, or better yet, give him a call or text today. It's 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Uh, maybe you're looking to move maybe you're getting married maybe you're beginning life maybe you're restarting life I don't know but you've got needs in the mortgage industry it's best to be with a mortgage professional I recently made the move to a priority one mortgage just a great guy all the way around a great friend of mine I don't do business with people I don't trust neither should you don't gamble with something like your mortgage Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. That goes directly to Blair. Not through a receptionist, not through a call center, directly to Blair Chandler. Blair also a Bulldog, season ticket holder, multiple sports. has a place here. Um, I like to keep it in the family whenever we can. All right, today's top ten list. It's uh, it's a modern rock band, and uh, and I'll be honest with you. I have been one of the things about this band. The vocal delivery of this is so similar in every song, and so uh, I don't know. After a while, every song kind of began to sound the same to me. You know, the guitar work is ridiculous. I mean, as far as like riffing goes, it's great. This is a Danish rock band. It took them maybe four albums to break in the States. A band called Volbeat. And uh, they have a huge, huge following. Huge following. If you listen to Sirius XM Octane, you're very familiar with Volbeat. They've had several number ones on there. Uh, but the vocal thing is a little bit of a challenge for me. But it does give me some inspiration to think, you know what, if this guy can get a record deal, maybe I can too. But nevertheless, I kid. Uh, Volbeat, huge, huge band uh, around the country. Eight albums for them. And uh, what's interesting, too, is singer Michael Paulson basically does it all. And he's also a boxer. So, like, if somebody gets a little bit unruly on stage, Mike will knock you out, right? He can go out there and uh, lay down the rhythm guitar and sing. And then also, if things get out of hand, Mike doesn't need security. He can handle himself. It's pretty crazy. It really is. But uh, Paulson originally began like in the death metal scene and uh, didn't like it, just didn't fit what he wanted to do. And uh, put together this band. Basically, it's a rock band, uh, kind of post-modern rock. It's so funny, all these funny labels we put on stuff. Some people call it, you know, heavy metal, hard rock, whatever. They're really, it's a rock band. That's probably the best way to just describe them. They're a rock band. So here are my top 10 Volbeat songs. Number ten is Heaven Nor Hell. Now this is another one. This is when they really had broken in the states. Uh, Let me see if I can look this up here on on the discography. Because it all started with them with a song with an album called The Strength, The Sound, The Songs in 05. But they really didn't break in until 2010. There were a couple things you know that kind of kind of made their way over. And uh, this is that album. This is that fourth album, Beyond Heaven, Beyond Hell Above Heaven. Uh, the four-studio album came out in 2010. But uh, what's interesting is uh, they also brought back another one of our songs to be later in the catalog. It's like as they began to find some success in the United States, they're like, hey, well, let, we, this is a song that you, maybe you guys missed. And so they got it out there for you so heaven or hell number 10 number nine uh, last day under the sun now what's interesting about this one this is really more rock radio friendly like you could like you could have heard this on a top 40 radio station it's not as heavy uh, the bass line's not as deep the vocals just kind of kind of in line with what you'd expect uh, for rock radio and i'm talking more terrestrial radio right not really you know Satellite radio or things like that But uh, this is like something you would have heard On a regular radio station When that was a regular thing Number 8, Doc Holiday Got a nice little acoustic intro to this one I'm a big fan of Doc Holiday. Tombstone's are my favorite movies of all time As many of you all uh, probably share the same sentiment We could probably do a top 10 of best scenes uh, In Tombstone There's times in my life I probably could have recited a whole movie for you I've seen it that many times Loved it, love it, love it, love it Doc Holliday, an American hero Uh, Number seven, a song that really got on my nerves after a while because it was so incredibly overplayed. It's Lola Montez. Um, I don't know the story behind the song, but uh, it is a little different than the rest of the catalog. And it was a hit, so let's work it in there. Number six, Dead But Rising. This is a good one here. This is one of those songs like, it's all over and done with, but I'm not going to give up. It's really a song of empowerment. And uh, musically, compositionally, it's a really, really good song. Number five, I, I think the guitar on this is is really next level. And there were times that this was my favorite Volbeat song, but it's the Hangman's Body Count. The guitar on this is just sublime. I mean, it is. I mean, like even if, like I would live this song even if it was just an instrumental. I mean, forget the vocals. But the guitar on this itself is what drew me in. I just I was like, this is phenomenal. I, I could I could sing over this myself. It's so beautiful. Number four, another one. And again, Mike does a lot of this, uh, I don't know, it's kind of restrained yelling, I guess you'd say. You know, it's like, I know it's all a studio creation, right? I I know it is. Because it's like he pushes himself, but it's kind of muted. And and that, that appears on this one. But The Devil's Bleeding Crown, lyrically a great track. And again, musically, I think in many respects, one of the better songs, which is why it's number four, obviously, uh, in the catalog, because uh, the percussion on it is great. And um, it's just one of those songs, if you know this band, you know this song. Number three, really my gateway song, really America's gateway song to Bull Beat, was still counting. It's kind of a clever, kind of silly song. And it starts out with kind of a little reggae guitar riff. And it's like I'm counting all the buttholes in the room i'm definitely not alone right and so that's kind of how the song starts kind of being kind of silly next thing you know we're hammered it in baby it's a rock song all the way through but still counting and again that's that's really the first song when Volbeat began to break in the states They were guys are four albums in before they broke of course they were huge in europe huge and if you remember the movie singles huge in belgium huge Number two, I heard this song yesterday, and we, which kind of pushed me over the edge. Like, okay, we finally need to give these guys their due. I love it, man. I love this song, and um, it's Seal the Deal. And then it's from Seal the Deal and Let's Boogie for a while. I never really expected a Danish rock band to use the phrase Let's Boogie. You know, that sounds more earth, wind, and fire to me. But Seal the Deal is is a ripper, man. It's like that guitar from the very beginning. It's like it's kind of reminiscent of like eighties Dio in some respects. Like you can almost feel some influence in the guitar player here. Like it's it sounds a little bit like Rowan Robertson or Vivian Campbell. It definitely feels just like a straight ahead rock song. Like it's not in any way like germane to the time. It's just really kind of a throwback feel. Uh, and i I like it a lot because we have all this over processed rock music and if i ever do anything again it's going to have to be um but seal the deal and i think one of mike's better vocal performances too but number one it's a warrior's call absolutely love this song and it's to me it's an easy number one and again it's one of these things you think about you know in life like i like to listen to music that is empowering uh, I'm a firm believer in garbage in, garbage out. I, I do. I, I believe that not just physically. I think mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. I think when you listen to songs that are depressive, that are, quote, reflective of your mood, I think it keeps you in that mood. I, I think when you're down and depressed, you need to go listen to something that's encouraging. You, know, you need to go listen to something that's like, hey, let's snap out of it. And I think most of Volbeat songs is kind of what it is. It's really more of, it's, it's anthemic in some respects. It's like it's a call to victory. And I need that in my life. I don't know what you need, but uh, there's some times that I'm down in the press and I'll listen to some songs and and uh, you know you kind of wallow in the mire a little bit, but uh, I like bands that uh, sing songs of empowerment and encouragement. And uh, while Volbeat's vocal performance is never, uh, it's not Miles Kennedy from Alter Bridge or Brent Smith from Shinedown by any stretch, but these guys have, have developed a huge following. And I think a lot of it's just people want to rock. It's like, you know what? He may not be an operatic singer, but these guys write songs that resonate with me. These guys write good straight-ahead rock and roll music. It's not a bunch of computers. Like, if, if, if Beat lost their iPad, they would still be able to put on a show. I have seen bands that have gone on social media, guys, we have to cancel the show because somebody stole all of our iPads. I mean, let that sink in for a second. And I get it. There's so much that goes on with lighting and, and, and other things. But the fact that you'd have to cancel a show because you can't get up there and go play your instrument. And listen, I get it. There's so many layered parts to this now in some of these bands that I love. Uh, and there's so much to it. Like, there, there's so much volume. And there's so many things that happen in the background. And if you didn't have all that little nuance in music, the show wouldn't be the same. But you're going to turn people away because you couldn't do that? I think you show up and you say, hey, guys, here's the deal. Somebody sold our iPads, and uh, we're going to go get this thing taken care of. Not to mention, isn't that stuff in the cloud? You couldn't run out and go buy another iPad? I mean, record. you're doing that bad? I mean, come on. I don't, again, I don't know people's jobs. But Volbeat could just plug it in play. Aerosmith could plug in and play Motley Crew could plug in and play Despite what people suggest We got new Motley music coming this week too How about that? How about that? New Motley We can't wait It's going to be a single We don't have a full album together yet But uh, the first single with John Five As an official member Excited about that But uh, I like bands that can just play And I remember seeing uh, a video here a while back There was some music festival uh, They had to cancel because of some weather And uh, Papa Roach and Shine Down, and um, I can't remember the kid's name, but the guy that had the big song about uh, the rich men north of Richmond, he was at the festival, and they just gathered up, and then they they just performed acoustically for like four or 500 people. Those are real bands, man. Those are bands that really care about their fans. And uh, I, I appreciate that, that aspect of it. But uh, it's so interesting that music has become so theatrical and we've added so much due to technology and with computers and things like that, and it makes it really cool. But the fact that we can't pull it off live without the technology is, is interesting to me. It's almost like you can't play. It's like we, it's like auto-tune for bands that can't play an instrument. So we just program all this stuff. And listen, when I was in the dance industry, that's what happened too. We had a lot of stuff that was programmable, right? You'd have a track and you just, you know, we had a guy named David, It was a keyboard player for us, it was phenomenal. And he could listen to songs, and he would say, oh, yeah, well, there's this. And and he could go pull all this stuff out and then program it. And so when you got ready to play that track and you you, know, you had the MIDI cable and all this kind of stuff, it was different back then. And so you all that background stuff was still there. But you know what? If we didn't have that or if we had a disc that failed, we could still perform, right? So it's a different day and time. It is. But I get it. And nobody wants to go out there and put together a subpar show for their fans. But I appreciate bands like Beat, even though they're not my favorite, They just go out there and play good straight-ahead rock and roll. They they don't need all that stuff to show you a good time. So if you don't know the band, I encourage you to get into them and give them a shot. But I think you'll see what I'm talking about vocally. It's not top shelf by any stretch of the imagination. But, man, some of the music on these albums, and the guitar parts especially, absolutely ridiculous. And what's cool about this, too, is like – if I remember correctly, when they were recording um, in the big American debut, is um, the guitar player quit, and then like the producer just kind of came out of the booth and just grabbed the guitar. He's an accomplished guitar player, and then he became the guitar player for Volbeat. Kind of interesting, but uh, be sure to check it out. If you've got ideas for the top ten lists, reach out and let us know. I've had some good ones here as of late. Uh, one of them about what are the best songs ever written? That would take some time i would have to really think about that so uh, we get ideas from time to time and uh, we like to do them here on the show we'll give you credit if you want it uh but uh hit up roy on twitter at dogmatic67 or you can find us on social media uh send those to me i'll I'll usually just screenshot them and send them to roy so i don't forget and uh, you can find our great list on spotify under roy's handle dogmatic67 just hit subscribe make it easy for yourself I had, a, I had a reaction to you i read this to you yesterday uh I, I like to interact with you guys when we all have time but uh i got some reviews from a longtime listener i won't reveal the name uh number one he says uh, hey i didn't want to bug you for a while because i know how busy you've been with the coaching search transfer portal etc but wanted to hit you up real quick i know you're still busy none of this requires any response well i know that you get a response we're getting a shout out on the show Uh, number one as always thanks for all you do for state you're very welcome number two i love the cypress hill list Uh, there are bands like that that came out when i was young and i really only knew a couple of the popular ones like insane in the membrane and superstar it was fun going into more of their songs that's what we do Uh, number three love the new year's eve uh, list of top 2023 rock songs i'm now a huge fan of catch your breath again this is what we do uh, i'd never heard of them before you should do a list like that at the end of 2024 we plan to and catch your breath really cool band new band really like them a lot i like the song uh dalton a lot shame on me for my favorite one from them but i really like those guys a lot number four i really love the shinoda list i would never heard of any of that outside of the fort minor and uh, already over doing exceptionally well uh, for shinoda on the charts right now he says number five nirvana still cool well i agree to disagree uh, and then he mentioned uh, Spirit Box and uh, uh, Megan Nostalgians' collaboration. Um, I'm not really a fan. I like Spirit Box a lot. Uh, Spirit Box kind of reminds me a little bit of Evanescence. But uh, maybe we'll do them at some point, too. But I, I enjoy the feedback. I enjoy you guys reaching out let letting me know what you think about some of the bands. And I, I love the fact, too, that so many people are like, I'd never heard of this band before. And I heard about it on the Boneyard and uh, have become a fan. Or I went and saw this band play. That's some people send me pictures of them at shows, at bands they didn't know before, and they become fans uh, of them. And so reach out, let us know if you've got ideas, suggestions, and uh, we may just do it here on the show. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Campus Bookmart can cure what ails you, right? You're cold. You probably wish you had that Mississippi State hoodie to put on right now because even with the heat running in the house, sometimes you just got to put on some more clothes, right? We can't be opposed to that. Nobody's going to provide you better selection when it comes to Mississippi State merchandise other than Campus Bookmark. Been doing it forever and a day. Next time you're in town, go buy and see their smiling faces. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that's BSR, which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson, that gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks any order less than 75 bones absolutely incomplete Well, you're looking to outfit your home your rv your pet whatever anything you need with a mississippi state logo on it you can find it at campus bookmark all right let's talk a little baseball here the uh guys we're 32 days away yeah 32 days away from the bulldogs taking the field now, the first thing that I want to do is uh, let's talk about the preseason top 25 rankings coming out from perfect game. Now, D1 Baseball hasn't put their rankings out yet. That's traditionally who I go with, though. Baseball America is kind of right there. But perfect game kind of beating everybody to the punch here. And here's their top 25. Of course, Mississippi State not rated oh Miss, not rated uh, there's a handful of sec teams that are we'll start at number 25 coastal carolina winners of the 2016 national championship uh, they're back in the mix pretty good program up there pretty solid mid major not really anybody you want to show up as a number two in your regional because they traditionally have uh, enough sticks in that order to kind of make things competitive uh, number 24 uc santa barbara a program last year that uh, did some pretty good things there's always going to be a little west coast flavor in this but by and large there's just not a lot of california teams uh, that make the top 25 they just don't Uh, number 23 is duke and what a good program they've built there at duke a lot of discussion over the years you know about uva and clemson and florida state and interestingly enough florida state not ranked again this year but duke has kind of made themselves into a upper echelon team in the acc another team you don't want to see in the super regional this is a team that's not scared and the acc while it's not the sec is still a really good baseball conference all right number 22 oklahoma state in my estimation one of the top 15 baseball programs of all time these are guys that consistently recruit at a high level they develop players and it always seems like they can swing it uh, they come in at number 22. We mentioned Clemson earlier number 21. Uh, the Tigers, are they back? Are they not? Uh, they're a team that uh, maybe hasn't achieved their full potential in recent years. But a top 25 non for them, which puts them firmly in the mix for a potential hosting opportunity. If They can live up to expectations right there in the cusp. Number 20, Kansas State. You know, sometimes I think this is more of a product of the league in which they play in because the Big Twelve has been so, so top heavy in recent years. Not sure what to make of this team, uh, but uh it will be interesting to see what happens in the Big Twelve this year uh, with so much of a shakeup. As you guys know Texas and Oklahoma gonna be part of things uh you know pretty soon for us. Uh number nineteen, our friends at NC State. They do such a great job there. Uh I would have loved to have played those guys in an apple championship series. I think it'd have been great. And uh, Elliot and those guys have just done such a good job consistently putting a quality product on the field. Uh, I will never forget in 2021 being at Omaha. Of course, they canceled the Vandy. uh, All this craziness. They didn't cancel the game, but they they had some players that couldn't play because of uh, COVID protocols. Remember that? And so I'm walking down through the tunnel uh, to get to the media area. And they, security stops me. And they're bringing those kids out of the dugout, kids that were un, un, unable to play that day. And uh, NC State pieced it together. I think they had 11 players available and gave Vandy all he wanted. And I remember Kumar Rocker flexing on these guys. They had walk-ons out there just trying to piece a game together. Uh, but in, nevertheless, NC State, not given the opportunity to advance. Vandy gets the game off and then still loses to Mississippi State, the 2021 NAFL champion. Uh, Number 18, UCLA. We talk about California baseball a lot. One of the reasons that I think California baseball has kind of dipped a little bit is so many of those kids want to come south because the quality of baseball in the south, you see it every year. You see these California kids that uh, want to make the big leagues, want to play uh, a big-time environment. They're making their way to the south. That's happened with greater regularity. Now, 20 years ago, that wouldn't have happened because you had USC and UCLA out there. Uh, a lot of programs, Stanford, of course, and, and the Cardinals still doing a great job. David and those guys done a great job out there. But UCLA, number 18. Number 17, Cliff Godwin, ECU. Uh, so interesting, too. I remember all the discussion and people thought, well, Cliff Godwin turned us down. Cliff Godwin did not get the opportunity to come to Mississippi State. It's interesting that he's still there. Uh, a great coach, but have not really had the opportunity uh, to make the move, I think some people thought, which is interesting to me because he's ba- he's basically made ECU a baseball school. There really wasn't much in a way of tradition there, but uh, here they are again preseason, top 25, and uh, an- another team you really don't want to see in a Super Regional. They, ha- they haven't broken through just yet, but it just seems like a matter of time. Number 16 from the Big Ten – it's Iowa. It almost makes me think, you know, this whole deal with Iowa. You know, they, they had a good run in an non-conference last year, and then the Big Ten's not a great baseball conference, but uh, it's interesting that Iowa's there. Remember, Iowa beat LSU last year. Remember that? Yeah. Number 15, Auburn. And I'll be honest with you, and I know I've got some Auburn folks who listen to the show, I think this is a little bit high. Now, you've got Gonzalez coming back, missed last year, great kid, uh, he has not had great success against Mississippi State, but they didn't have him last year. He expected to be their Friday night guy. They're expecting him to be good to go. actually met this kid at a wings joint there in Auburn last year when I covered the series down there, met his whole family. Even though that he wasn't playing, his whole family comes for the weekend, dresses out in Auburn gear. Uh, but, you know, it's not surprising to see Butch and those guys consistently putting a good product together. Uh, number 14, North Carolina. We've had a lot of tangles with them over the years. You look at these rankings, you begin to ask yourself, is this the year of the ACC? Uh, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no. I think the ACC will beat each other up. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that make the NCAA tournament with around a 500 record in conference in the ACC. I think North Carolina is going to be one of them. I don't think North Carolina ends up being a host site. That's how I feel today. Number 13, South Carolina. I think South Carolina is a little bit overrated. I'm, I'm just going to say it for, for how I feel. Maybe you guys see it differently. I think South Carolina is going to be one of these programs that um, they're going to have to rely on some of these transfer ends to make a difference. Pitching-wise, like you talk to people in college baseball circles, they were having to really, 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 really work hard. Uh, to find arms and of course justin parker leaves south carolina coming to mississippi state definitely a step up for him even though south carolina is a great program it's won multiple national championships uh the commitment there the commitment there not exactly a good deal not exactly a good deal uh number 12 stanford uh, last year i thought stanford had a chance to win it all they blew it but they're right back and of course they, they lose braden montgomery of course it's going to a&m Uh, That's a team last year was kind of built to win. They will, in my estimation and the estimation of most people, will be one of, of, if not the best teams in the Pac-12 this year. They'll be right back in the mix for Omaha. Number 11, Tennessee. I expect Tennessee to take a step back a little bit this year. I think 11 is probably a little bit high, but they're certainly a top 25 team. They can swing it, and as long as Tony is there, they're going to have kids that can compete. I'm eager to see what that pitching staff looks like this year. But uh, they, they just keep running guys through there, right? It's a culture thing now. Uh, number 10, Virginia. Brian O'Connor, of course, a guy that, uh, you know, outstanding resume, won NFL championships. They're consistently in the mix. Of course, they're a part of our big story in 2021, the big comeback game there. Uh, they managed it really well. They just ran out of arms. You know, as well as I do, that that, that was a team – that was uh, built to win that year and just couldn't quite get over the hump number nine oregon state always in the mix always you know and, and that's the thing it's going to boil down in the pack 12 between stanford and oregon state i haven't looked to see where that series is this year oregon state always has pitching it's kind of, oregon state is a baseball school which is so incredibly interesting considering where they play I and mean, you look up there i remember they we're boasting record crowds of like 3,200 people. That's a Tuesday for us. All right, number eight is Texas. Now, Texas should have won the National championship in 2022. They were built to win it. Of course, you had Melendez and those guys coming back. The pitching just didn't work out the way they had hoped. They'd make a pitching coach change. Texas is always going to have dudes. One of the most storied programs in college baseball history. Certainly think that they're going to bring a lot to the SEC. It'll be interesting to see when them in Oklahoma begin to play an SEC schedule instead of a Big Twelve schedule that's very top loaded. Number seven, Texas A&M. I, d- I don't agree that they're a top ten team. Are they a top twenty five team? Absolutely, absolutely. And you think about you know that offense, adding and Braden Montgomery. Uh, where are they going to be pitching wise? Like last year, it was kind of a smoke and mirrors deal. They didn't have great pitching. They just had really good pitching and played really good defense. And they swung the bats pretty well. But can A&M get over the hump? Of SEC programs, they're among the most anemic when it comes to Omaha over the years. They just have not done well when they've gone to Omaha. Are they capable of getting to Omaha? You better believe it. But it's going to boil down to pitching. Number six, Vanderbilt. I thought last year Vanderbilt was going to take a step back. They did, and you'd expect that. Vanderbilt obviously has some built-in right some built-in incentives there that uh make them a really good baseball program but um let's kind of call it for what it is i mean they've done a great job there uh they really have are they a top 10 team i don't know but uh, i think when you work through this schedule and there's so much parity in the sec this year i think vanderbilt obviously will be a team that's in the mix certainly to host and possibly get to omaha this year number five tcu Guys, I'm just going to tell you, Kirk Sarlos, as long as he is there, they're going to pitch it. Don't know what they're going to have offensively, but they're, they're going to win low-scoring games. They're going to win tie ball games because that's who Kirk is. That guy's an alpha, one of the best pitching coaches in the game for this generation. There's a reason that uh, TCU hung on to him when he had opportunities to go elsewhere because they knew what they had. Slosh, of course, leaves and goes to AM. and m It was an easy situation. You just promote Kirk and widely respected around college baseball. Florida at four. Now, Florida had a chance to win it all last year. They had all that pitching. And as long as Sully's there, they're going to have pitching. But it felt like last year they had the right mix mix of offense and pitching. And I remember down the stretch in the SEC tournament, they got in the postseason, you're thinking, all right, the Gators are peaking at the right time. I just don't think Florida is a team that that's uh, that does a good job as front runners. I think Florida, Florida is one of those teams when they're expected to, to finish behind Vanderbilt and Tennessee. I think Sully uses that as motivation. So it'll be interesting now that they're picked ahead of Vanderbilt and ahead of Tennessee, because you know Tony, Tony Vitello at Tennessee will wear that like a badge of honor. When they end up playing Florida, he'll remind everybody of these polls. Number three, the defending national champion LSU. Listen, LSU's going to be really good. LSU still has Tommy White. LSU plays in that cracker jack of a ballpark. They're going to have hit, hit a ton of home runs. I'm glad we get them up here early when it's still cold. Maybe the ball won't travel as much. But uh, it's one of those situations. A lot of I think LSU, in many respects, got ranked based off last year. They're not the number three team in the country, in my estimation. They're going to be really good, but they lost a ton an absolute ton number two arkansas i think this could really be the year that arkansas does it i I really do you you look at hagan smith you know he's supposed to be back this is dave van horn is one of these intense guys that demands excellence and he gets it he gets it that arkansas team is going to be absolutely loaded they're my pick to win the sec and clearly the same pick is a, a perfect game I think this could be the year for Arkansas, provided they stay healthy. That's one thing that's happened the last couple of years. They've run into some pretty major injuries, especially on the pitching side. Uh, Remember Brady Tiger was out for a while, you know, former Mississippi guy, you know. Uh, But, yeah, Arkansas is capable of winning the whole thing. Number one, Wake Forest. They play in a silo, right? They're going to hit a ton of home runs, uh, and then they're going to get into postseason play, and they're not going to be able to do it. It's amazing. You go out and you tattoo one, and it leaves in that little ballpark up there. And then you go do it at TD Ameritrade, and it's a routine fly ball left. So, Wake's going to be able to pitch it. Everybody knows this. One of the best pitching coaches in the country. Uh, and they bring a lot back from last year. They did lose some players, especially on, on front pitching. But, uh, you know, when you can go out there and replicate that and bring in some people that know what they're doing, uh, it makes good sense to be able to do that. All right, Sticky with some baseball stuff. Uh, we mentioned we're 32 days away. Mississippi State will open February 16th, Valentine's Day weekend. Bring your sweetie out to uh, Duty Noble Field. Air Force is your opening weekend opponent. We're going to play a three-game set. Now, look at the Falcons last year. Uh, guys, they went 28-31 and overall, 17-13 and in their conference, and 9-20 and away. It should be an opportunity for us right? Uh, we got to get out of the gate strong. And you, you begin to think about, okay, well, Steve, you know, it's Air Force coming in. You know, they're going to be well coached. Uh, they're going to be a program, obviously, that um, should play pretty good defense. But, um, you know, they were a losing team last year, coming south, and they weren't a good road team last year. So I'm eager to see. Uh, they're reporting start time for the game is at uh, six o'clock. Friday, February 16th, 6 o'clock. And that may change. It may change. But uh, again, a losing record last year. Uh, so, Bulldogs getting a program that has historically done pretty well in baseball uh, off what's been a, a disappointing year. Now, Austin P comes in the next week. Let's go, P. They were 26 and 32 last year. They went 15 and 15 in their conference, 10 and 19 away from home. So, a better road team in Air Force was slightly. But uh, not playing the same level of competition, so eager to see what those guys look like. I mean, it's just a pretty interesting deal, to say the least. But that's a series, obviously. You expect to win, you know. I mean, you do, right? Under the best of circumstances, we're Mississippi State. All right. So the next weekend we have uh, Georgia Southern coming in. The Fighting Jared Bankos. You know, a couple years ago they, um, you know, hosted an NCAA regional one of the better teams in the country they went 27 and 29 last year though 16 and 14 in the conference 10 and 14 away from home 0 and 2 neutral uh field but um yeah this is a program too that uh, has had some decent transfers at times and so it'll be interesting to see kind of when those guys come in here i I could see us dropping a game i don't expect us to sweep through any of these uh series i mean obviously we we need to we need to sweep austin p but uh We don't need to get behind the eight ball early. This is a team that needs to find a sense of itself and establish some roles. But Georgia Southern, even though they had a losing record last year, uh, they'll be a decent opponent. Uh, The Mount, right, Mount Athletics, Mount St. Mary's, 25 and 27 last year. End of the year, 10 and 14 in their conference, losers three three in a row. A decent road team, though, 10 and 15. And true road games and two and two in neutral so combined record of 12 and 17 away from their home venue and uh you, know, you get that a lot with some of these smaller conferences that need to go travel for checks but um you know, we will break down these teams a little bit more but again it's another losing team from last year you know so states four of their first five weekend opponents had losing records the one exception is the one just before SEC play as the Evansville Aces come to town. They went 37-24 last year, 15-12 in their conference, 17-9 at home, 16-13 away, and then 4-2 and on a neutral field. So you get 20 wins last year outside of their home ballpark. And uh, you run through their schedule here. Guys, they went into Nashville on a Thursday, excuse me, on a Wednesday night and went 17 innings with number seven Vanderbilt, and they lose 2-1. to one. They're not going to be intimidated to come down here and play. Uh, They went to Purdue and took two games. It was supposed to be a weekend set. One game got canceled due to weather, and they went 5-2 and 6-4. That's a nice little Power 5 win for you right there. Then they get Purdue in a midweek game, and guess what? They beat them again. And Purdue wasn't a great team last year. But teams like Evansville shouldn't be taking three games from Big Ten opponents. This shouldn't be able to happen. Indiana State last year to Sycamores, obviously a team that's kind of come to prominence there in the Midwest in recent years. Evansville gets the first game 2-1. Loses the next two, just couldn't score against those guys. But pitched it pretty well. But uh, you start working through this thing, and you begin to realize these guys play a pretty beefed-up non-conference schedule. Later in the year, they get Indiana. Indiana wins the game 6-2. It's in Bloomington, but... uh, you know, credit them for signing up for that. But uh, those guys nearly won their conference tournament in a Missouri Valley. They win the first two games, right? They get in the winner's bracket. They lose to Indiana State. They battle back out of loser's bracket, take care of Missouri State, the two-seed, and then they knock off Indiana State 6-5 to five and set up a winner-take-all conference final that they lose 6-0. So this team is a win away last year for making the NCAA tournament as an automatic qualifier. So not sure what they got coming back yet. We'll preview them as we get a little closer to it. But as far as non-conference opponents go, I think some people are going to look at that and just say, ah, you know, Steve, we got to kill them. Well, Mississippi State, we should. But that's going to be a quality non-conference opponent. I think it's interesting. You know, we got to get some dubs out there. But you start thinking about the net and things of that nature uh, it's very interesting to see how we've scheduled this. Of course, you got a couple midweek games against Jackson State, Southern Miss. Uh, curious to see what Southern Miss looks like this year. I think they're a team that will likely contend for their conference uh, championship, as as they should, you know. Uh, but that every game with those exceptions, that Southern Miss game is going to be played in Starkville of the first month of the season. And just before we come home to play shoe, we're going to be down in Biloxi at the Hancock Whitney Classic. You guys do a great job down there. I'm going to encourage you to get your tickets now. They're already on sale. And you guys, we sell it out every time we go down there. And it's such a great environment for baseball. And you get south, and you have a chance to get out there and enjoy you know the, the nightlife that is Biloxi. And I'll be there. I love going down there. It's such a great trip. And they do such a good job down there at the ballpark, at MGM Park. Uh, the team has played well down there. And I'm really glad that we take the show on the road, share what you guys are for. So many times I was a young guy, that unless Mississippi State came to Jackson or farther south, I didn't get a chance to see them. And so there's a lot of future Bulldogs down there will be attending these games as young kids because their parents think enough of Mississippi State baseball to bring them on a school night. The good thing is those games are at 5 and 6, so you can get in bed by 10. But uh, we look forward to getting back down to Biloxi and we get back to SEC play. But, uh, again, you look at this non-conference schedule. And, again, you know, we can't assume anything, right? After the last two years, we just can't just say, oh, you know, it will be okay. No. Uh, but, yeah, we got to take every one of these non-conference series and really have some juice kind of coming in here. And, again, we'll break it down as we get a little bit closer and see what teams have returning. And we'll have some statistics, of course, uh, to kind of work through as they get ready to come in. Because by the time you you get a month into the season, you know you pretty much have an identity of who you are and who you can count on. But I'm expecting to win all these series. And I know you guys are as well. But uh, that Evansville series is one that we're not just going to be able to show up and just kind of go through the motions. That's a team that's not scared of a power five opponents, as they've shown, and a team that's been able to pitch it pretty well, too. So uh, by the time we get those guys here, we'll have a pretty good idea of what their identity is and what they're about and who they're about. Uh, but it's good to talk some college baseball when you guys say the least i think everybody probably feels the same way it's like you know we still have high hopes for basketball as we should but then baseball season is going to be here before you know it again 32 days away so be preparing to come be a part of this valentine's day weekend as bulldogs take on air force all right final segment of the show brought to you by the stark vegas clubhouse just google stark vegas clubhouse you'll be glad you did whether you're bringing a work group to town, which some friends of mine did last week, or you're uh, bringing people in for a ballgame weekend, maybe you just want to get away. It's like, I just want to be in Starkville for a while. Uh, Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse and book through the Evolve website. Five bedrooms, two bathrooms, pretty incredible area. You get the, uh, the fire pit area outside, that big porch. You can sit outside and kind of watch the weather. You know, just have a good time. And it's nice to have everybody under one roof. So instead of uh, booking five hotel rooms, you got some common areas you can work, you can congregate, you can watch a little TV, just kind of enjoy being together. Look no further than the Stark Vegas Clubhouse for your accommodations. You book through the Evolve website, use promo code BSR10. That gets you 10% off your stay. You can book the VRBO at the Airbnb if you want to. But uh, our promo code only works through the Evolve website. So, again, at Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Book through Evolve BSR10 to save 10% off your stay. Now, uh, NFL playoffs are going on, as you guys are well aware. I love this time of year. Pittsburgh will play today. You know, that game got pushed back due to uh, uh, the weather up there. Pretty incredible scene there. But uh, interesting results already in the wild card round as the Texans take down the Browns forty-five to fourteen. Guys, C.J. Stroud is legit. My my goodness, man! It's like all of a sudden you know, even though Houston's a major city, a lot of people don't pay attention to the Texans. But uh, you need to, right? Uh, they're still playing. So uh, Texans take down the Browns. Martin Emerson season over. What a great year that he has had. Very proud for him. The Chiefs. And what was expected to be, you know, one of those uh, minus 30-degree feels-like windshield games. The Chiefs win 26-7. to 7. So Chris Jones, Willie Gay continue to play well in advance. I won't be the least bit surprised if they find their way back in the Super Bowl again. Uh, last night's game, a lot of people salty about this. Ben, the Cowboys' defense did not show up. Packers win 48-32. Not a great game from Dak. Uh, Dak had one that should have been a pick-six and one that was a pick-six. Ultimately, both of those game, those plays, uh, played a large part in the final huge win for the Packers. Uh, Elton Jenkins continuing to play on. So uh, again, some rooting interest for your Bulldogs. Preston Smith also with a nice big uh, batted pass uh, late in that ball game as the Cowboys are trying to uh, to stay in it. But uh, man, that game was over in the first quarter. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys defensively were just not prepared to play. And the Packers were able to kind of run at will. And it felt like that intermediate passing game was exactly what they needed and got it whenever they wanted it. A lot of zone coverage from the Cowboys. Uh, Packers exploit that. 48-32 in Dallas. So a lot of people upset with our guy Dak Prescott, who will uh, have a chance to renegotiate a deal. And you got to think not winning the playoff game doesn't help. Uh, so Rams and Lions, our, our guy Justin Frommer, been a Lions fan his whole life, finally getting a chance to cheer here. They win 24-23. The Rams, a lot of people had kind of earmarked as a team to watch uh, in these playoffs, but uh, their season now over. Uh, the Bills and Steelers today, it's a 3:30 game. Excited about that. I think the Bills are going to win. I'm going to watch it nonetheless. And then the Eagles and Buccaneers in primetime tonight. That'll be fun, too. Of course, uh, Fletcher Cox, Darius Slay. So you, you know, you've know you got a rooting interest. Now, looking ahead to next week, the Texans' to-be-determined opponent. Packers, 49ers. That game is now set. That's Saturday in primetime. And then the Lions will host uh, somebody. You know, you know, we'll see how things kind of progress. But uh, a lot of it depends on who wins and who and all that sort of stuff. So you know, we don't know where the Chiefs are going to land just yet, but uh, a lot of it will depend on what happens today. So be sure and keep up with that. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, Bulldogs still playing football. And it's always nice when our guys have success on a professional level. Nothing does more for recruiting than guys come in here and develop and become good players and then have the opportunity to make NFL millions and then excel at a high level. You know, our guy Montez Sweat, Ended up leading two teams, became the first player in NFL history to lead two teams in sacks in the same season. How how great is that? Maybe he'll do some big things there in Chicago. Kind of happy to see him out of Washington. Just a bad organization. But uh, a lot of that, guys are keeping up with it. And again, hopefully the Steelers, the most prestigious team in all of professional sports, will have a chance to advance. But uh, I'm not sure how I feel about the direction of our franchise. To be honest with you, I've been off the Mike Tomlin chain for the last couple of years. Happy we made the playoffs, but, um, you know, who knows what could happen in this ball game. And I saw some some video earlier of, uh, you know, people up there helping, you know, shovel snow to kind of get the arena ready uh, for today's ball game. So that'll be interesting. But um, football again today, and you turn right back around, got some college basketball to get you through the week. The next thing you know, it's uh, NFL playoffs again. But um, that's where things stand for sure. I want to thank everybody that's bought uh, When the Bottom Falls. You go to winabottomfalls.com. Matter of fact, I had some people hit me up today. You know, want to know where to order signed copies of the book. Uh, it's pretty much an everyday deal. And uh, if you're in Starkville, you can get it at Campus Bookmarts. You can get it downtown at Bookmart and Cafe. Uh, selling a lot of books and uh, appreciate the support. I've done several recovery podcasts. I was with Neil Woodall yesterday. And uh, you can go listen to that now. You can even watch it. Uh, really appreciate Neil having me on. Back-to-back weeks have been down in Jackson on Sunday uh, to, to, uh, to participate in these recovery podcasts. I did one with the Unabashed Recovery Podcast. It'll be out on February the 19th. I think they record, like, all the shows at once, and then they produce them and then kind of release them when they want to. But those guys have been after me for a couple of years. Finally had a chance to kind of sit down and talk some recovery. Uh, It's so important that um, we kind of recognize that uh, everybody has a challenge in life. And there's so much about life that uh, it takes some time for us to kind of figure out. And uh, I I share that with you just because of the fact that in these closing moments of these shows sometimes, I I just try to find a bit of encouragement for people. Uh, Life is about dreams. and And many of them are unrealized. And a lot of them are our own fault. We talk about how you know fear kills more dreams than failure ever could, because we're scared to be judged. We're scared to put ourselves out there, and scared because it's like, hey, if I never try, I never have to fail. Well, without trying, you never really learn anything. You never really learn what you're capable of. And uh, you know, I, I just don't want you guys to live an accidental life. And I, and I share that with you because you know I became a new person when I got clean and sober. And uh, I've got a person uh, that uh, has been very instrumental in my life in every aspect. That's my wife, Dana. Uh, Everything I do in many respects is to kind of make her life a little little easier. But uh, I take a lot of pride in the fact that she's very proud of my efforts and that my children have seen me kind of become a different person. And uh, thankfully, my children have never seen me intoxicated. It's not a good scene. In any stretch of the imagination, but not everybody can say that. I'm not judging or anything like that. But um, if you go to winatbottomfalls. dot com, you can get that that great book. Uh, in my opinion, and I'm biased of experience, strength, and hope. It's been incredibly well received, and I appreciate people that have uh, have reached out and shared their reviews and, and how it's touched their lives. And with um, so many people that have said, "Hey, when I read this chapter." I really saw myself in some of this. And I think that's an important aspect of it. I think the commonality in our struggle sometimes is what binds us together, is that you have an opportunity to realize that you're not alone. And so I encourage you to do that. Of course, uh, you can get all my sports titles there too. That's uh, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, Flim Flam, and Dog Pile. Every Bulldog fan needs a copy of Dog Pile. If you don't have it yet, you need to get it, especially with baseball coming up. Kind of prepare yourself, Reminds you of what it's like to be on top, Uh, And I'll start soon, the plan is next week, I'll start um, roughing out the Dude, biography of Duty Noble. I got some more research, some more interviews to do, uh, but I'm just kind of ready to get the process started, if you know what I'm saying. It's like, we've already started looking at some mock-ups and covers and things of that nature. I got people left and right that already want to buy, pre-order the book, I haven't even written the first word. Uh, And and thank you for that. Thank you for your enthusiasm about the project. Uh, They're gonna be a limited edition, number of copies that we sell early on that'll be different than the rest and a lot of people have said hey steve i've heard about this can you save me a copy no i can't i don't control any of that but i will let you know when we're going to do it and we're going to have a ton of those books uh, that go very very quickly and uh, probably only do 150 to 200 or so of those limited edition books and you say well steve what makes it different you're just gonna have to wait you're just gonna have to wait but uh, it has been so incredibly rewarding uh, to do some research on these books. And, and in addition to that, I've done some other things, too. I want to share with you a story. Uh, Ron, I read about Ron Polk here recently. Uh, Coach Polk, obviously, so very special to us, recently celebrated his 80th birthday. When he got to Mississippi State, he was recruiting this player out of the state of Florida. And uh, Coach Polk obviously made us a national recruiter. And you know, for a long time, college baseball was just very much regional recruiting. You, you kind of worked your tri-state area. and You know, we did really well over in Birmingham. We did well up in Memphis and, of course, here in the great state of Mississippi. And so Coach comes in, you know, signs players from all over the country. He was recruiting a young man out of Florida. And a lot of people had told him, he said, Coach, the mom is going to be the one that's the primary decision maker in the family. You're going to have to really sell the mom. And so he goes, well, how do I sell the mom? And I said, well, you're going to have to convince her that her son can get a better education at Mississippi State than anywhere else. Well, at the time, Mississippi State had been named number one in landscaping with the number one athletic grass in the country, which is not something that's unique to Mississippi State. A lot of people have had those awards, but Mississippi State historically uh, has known to be able to produce really good grass, really athletic, good athletic turf. We've been uh, the, the surface of uh, multiple Super Bowls. But um, so they brought that up and about how great it was. and. So the kid comes on a visit. They come and look around. They have a great time. And uh, so Coach Polkton waited to hear. And you know, they sent the young man a national letter of intent. And we got a letter back from him. And the player said, hey, Coach, I just want to let you know, I'm, I'm headed to Florida State. But I appreciate how hard you recruited me. I think Mississippi State's going to do great under your supervision. But I just wanted to be closer to home and am going to Florida State. But uh, the good news is my mom's going to go to Mississippi State, you know, I'm sure it's all a joke, but uh, it's an interesting, interesting dialogue, right? To go back and look at those uh, early Mississippi State classes. And uh, it's been so incredibly rewarding to do the research for this book, The Dude. And, and when I first committed to doing it, it's like, well, how do we do it? I mean, this man's been dead since uh, the early 1960s, didn't have much of a family, had no descendants. He and Elizabeth had no children. So, how do you go back and reconstruct somebody else's life? and? Thankfully, the uh, the duty noble family has uh, provided me with some family history I've got a written record of their own research their own genealogy. I've been down and learned in Mississippi I've interviewed multiple people and uh, not done with that yet Uh, So we're not quite ready to, to say okay. We've got all of our research done for the book. We don't but It's book number seven As I shared with you guys before there were times in my life that I thought I would lay on my deathbed having never written a book and it would be this crippling fear. And then, of course, I wrote Flim Flam. And then I wasn't sure where I was going to go after that. And I, In many ways, I got depressed because all of a sudden, you know, I mean, your name is everywhere, right? I mean, you're on ESPN. And all these people are writing articles about you. And people are driving to Starkville to spend time with me and flying in. And, and then all of a sudden, that ends. And you begin to ask yourself, have I already peaked? Will I ever have a story that big? Well, you know, we won an NFL championship. That helped a lot. But every one of these books are like my babies. And, uh, but this one is just simply different. They're all a little unique in their own respects. You know, writing When the Bottom Falls was, uh, was very rewarding and very cathartic for me. But tackling something like the Duty Noble book is completely different. And uh, it's a book that this fan base has needed for a long time. How many of you have attended games at Duty Noble Field and you really don't know anything about him? You say, well, no, he was a coach here. Well, he wasn't just a coach here. He was one of the most accomplished student athletes to ever, ever play at Mississippi State. He had 12 varsity letters. It's a record that will never be broken. It's shared by a couple of other individuals. But because of the back, back in those days, a lot of the same athletes played every sport. And I don't know if you knew this, but Diddy Noble was also a pretty good basketball guard. You probably didn't know that. He was also the quarterback in 1915 when we beat Ole Miss 65-0. And you probably don't understand that we didn't play him for the three seasons prior, and you probably don't know why. Well, I've been able to uncover that and some extensive research. And uh, I'm so incredibly honored to write this story. I can't wait for it to be out. Uh, and, and, and we're talking months, right? We're not talking. Uh, our goal is to have this thing out for you August or September, so around the kickoff football season. And uh, we're going to do some pretty special events. I haven't toured extensively for the last couple books. And uh, we will do a lot with the dude. And so if you're thinking about that, you know, hey, we'd like to have uh, Steve you know, come speak to the alumni group or whatever, uh, you know, we're always inclined to do that. You know, we'll just come sell books and, and have a good time with you all and kind of break bread and enjoy all that. But uh, if if you have a recovery situation, you know, whether you're part of a recovery group or whatever, or you've got, you know, celebrate recovery, I get a lot of those people that hit me up. And um, I'm always inclined to do those. If we can find something that works for me scheduling wise, that works in concert with Mississippi State's very extensive athletic schedule, uh, then I will make arrangements to be there. And so, We'd love to be able to come sell books. You know, we'll have the, uh, we'll get up and talk about the, you know the, the path, and uh, and share that with you. But uh, I've had many people that have reached out about podcasts, about appearances, and there's a lot of that stuff coming. But uh, it's a little different with the dude. I mean, it just it just is. I think it's a very important book, and uh, as I had somebody at Mississippi State tell me, he said, "Steve, if you don't write this book, it's not getting written." And so that all of a sudden shifts from an honor to a responsibility. I feel like in my era. Uh, as a writer i've got a responsibility to write this book and i reached out to rick cleveland and i said do you think this is a worthwhile pursuit he said i'll buy the first copy i wish i'd have thought of it you know i reached out to some people that i admire and respect that uh, have had some success as authors and a lot of people are eager to see what this book's going to look like and uh, i think right now i've got enough to write you guys a great book Uh, i really do when i first started I said, well, it'll be a good book. And then I began to get some more research done and get some interviews done. I said, well, it'll be a really good book. And then I found some other things. I guess, you know what, this has the potential to be a great book, but I want it to be a legendary book in the Mississippi State fan base. I think this is a book sort of like dog pile that everybody will want to have because there is just so much mystery about Duty Noble. Uh, we haven't truly celebrated him enough. And uh, I've had some people send me some derogatory things about Duty Noble, and I've researched a lot of that stuff extensively too and found that uh, – many of the things that people report about duty noble were kind of falsely attributed to him and so I'm, I'm very eager in that respect to be able to honor his memory but also to kind of explain that he was a product of the time in many respects uh, but there's a reason that we named our baseball stadium after him and i'm going to illustrate for you that for you in this new book uh, so be looking for that i don't know when we do pre-sales you know it's, it's so interesting we open up pre-sales in advance i don't like people to have to wait long like you, you buy the book and then you wait and then. I get inundated with messages, when's the book coming out? And so I've instructed a publisher, let's wait You know, once we get the book uh, pretty much finished and into the editing process, then we'll open it up for you guys. Uh, printing's been a much easier dynamic, this go around you know, with Dogpile. It took us absolutely forever. It took us four months to get that book printed. Yeah, they made promises and commitments to us and they didn't meet them, but what do you do, right? You're kind of at their mercy. Uh, so I look forward to sharing that with you. It's been a wonderful ride uh, becoming an author. And I'll be honest with you, when I, when I first wrote Flim Flem, I had this incredibly bad case of imposter syndrome. But now this is who I am and what I do. And uh, it's my honor to be able to write about Mississippi State stuff. And that was one of the things when, when I moved to Starkville, I said I wanted to do. I wanted to write books about Mississippi State. I wanted to be able to tell our story. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm working towards to ensure that uh, we're better represented in Mississippi's literary community there has been a lot of books written about you know Ole Miss, and to their credit, right, uh, we haven't had a lot of people write books about Mississippi State, and so uh, I think with this one, I will have written more than everybody else combined. They're you know true books, you know not just uh, you know here, things here and there, but uh, I appreciate everybody's uh, support, and uh, I'll provide you guys with updates as we go. But uh, next week, I'll sit down and write chapter one uh, of the new book. That was my commitment to myself, as I wanted to finish doing research and then. After the drop-add date passes, you know, we've got to chase so much portal news, and things are beginning to come for us a great deal. We'll get started on that, and then I'll, I'll write some during the spring. We'll finish up in the summer, and we'll have a book for you out in the fall. Look forward to you guys having the opportunity to purchase that. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.